This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome to the Backcountry Rookies Podcast. This is the annual Stories from the Season series. As we have done in years past, I like to bring on friends and former guests or just good hunters, but they all have one thing in common, and that is a great story from the season. This year, we teamed up with the guys at Western Hunter to help share some great stories. If you aren't familiar with Western Hunter, you need to check them out. They produce Western Hunter magazine that has fantastic stories, product reviews, and they also have a great TV show on the Sportsman's Channel and their own podcast. In addition to the magazine and show, this year Western Hunter is launching a film tour that you can enter your hunting film to win some great prizes. Go back and check out episode 183 with Chris Denham or hop over to westernhunter.net to hear all the details and how to enter. Let's jump right into these great stories from the season. Welcome back to the Backcountry Rookies Podcast. Today, I have a very special show. I have my good friends, Travis and Scott, from Team Bad Decision. And I I don't know if you guys, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know these are some of the most fun shows that I I ever do. These guys are always cool to have on. It's probably because we're usually having drinks or I know, I think everybody has whiskey right now. I'm not sure. Scott may be slugging beers down. Yeah, still just beer for me. Just beer for Scott. It's too early yet. Anyway, so Scott and Travis were have been on the show before. They were on episode 30 where they introduced a book that was called An Evolutionary Tale in Backcountry Hunting. Is that right, Travis? Yep. Um, so go back and listen to that one. Super cool book about these guys, just their adventures, right? And, and some of the bad decisions that maybe were made, some of the good decisions made along the way. Really cool. Um, episode 92 they were on it was called good conversation with team bad decision and it was just a serious uh, bullshit session that we had and they came on a super cool show and then last year for stories from the season I had them on to talk about a Sitka blacktail hunt that they did in Alaska and today they're back on for show number four you guys may be one of the highest guests I've ever had on and um, today we're talking about Arizona coos deer which one of my favorite things to talk about so very long intro, totally worth it for these guys. Uh, quick word from the sponsor, and then we'll come back with Travis and Scott. This podcast is sponsored by Go Hunt, Elk 101's University of Elk Hunting, and Vortex Optics. Check out Go Hunt Maps for all your scouting needs. Go Hunt Maps comes free with an insider account and offers amazing 3D maps on your desktop for e scouting and the new mobile maps on your mobile device. Now you have all of the resources of Insider, Filtering 2.0, Strategy Articles, Draw Odds, and more that you use for application season, and it's all paired with maps used for e-scouting and hunting. 
Insider is the all-inclusive tool for Western hunters. Use the promo code ROOKIES and get $50 in Go Hunt Gear Shop credit when you become an insider today. Elk 101's University of Elk Hunting. University of Elk Hunting provides you with immediate access to the most comprehensive and complete resource for increasing your elk hunting knowledge, confidence, and success. University of Elk Hunting now has all of those resources in the palm of your hand on a mobile app. Use the code ROOKIES and save $20 on your University of Elk Hunting membership today. Vortex Optics. Have you seen the new Vortex Razor UHD 10x50s? If you haven't seen the 10x50s, I highly recommend checking them out, going to the local store, doing whatever you can to check them out. I was blown away at how bright those things were. I recently took them on a deer scouting slash bear hunting trip out here in New Mexico and was very, very surprised. The clarity of them was great. Edge-to-edge clarity was great. And what I was really surprised with, I've never used a set of 10x50s, but what I was most surprised with was that brightness at low light. Just having that bigger objective lens draws in more light, makes them brighter, which means you can glass longer. Check out those Razor UHD 10x50s and I would suggest check them out at the Go Hunt gear shop. So there you go. Go Hunt and Vortex Optics got together. Got a pair of 10 by 50s. Check them out. Hey guys, welcome to the show. So Scott Daniels and Travis Greenwood, I keep forgetting to say people's last name when I introduce them, but just so they know. Scott and Travis from Team Bad Decision, welcome to the show, guys. Um, Why don't you guys just do a quick intro travis i'll let you go first and then scott and then we're going to talk arizona coos deer man which is a super cool topic no thanks for having us on again chad um i won't uh, i won't give you my entire life story on this but uh so scott and i i mean we started hunting together back in 2013 and we were pretty green uh getting into getting into the woods and and we started backcountry hunting and um as we've evolved uh, and our hunting as uh, skills have improved, our experience has gotten better. We keep expanding our adventure circle and trying to, you know, do more uh, and do different things, hunt different animals. And, and uh, I'm in the, in the middle of my quest for uh, the North American deer slam right now, which is why last year was Sitka and this year is coos. And, and I'm sure Scott will tell you that uh, that didn't mean a whole lot to him, but he's almost there himself just taking along for the ride. So, <laughs> but uh um yeah so here i are now so awesome thanks for coming on scott a little bit of your background and and then we'll get into it yeah you know um i'm always just down for a good adventure um go hunt somewhere new hunt something different um you know just kind of check experiences check travel boxes um i'm really liking this hunting out of planes thing um i don't know if alaska airlines quite counts but uh that bush flight that was definitely something that's going to be a repeat so um thanks for having us on and let's talk some coos deer absolutely man what really quick what's your favorite place you guys have hunted so you guys do travel colorado montana idaho arizona now alaska i guarantee i'm missing something but what do you think is your favorite before we get into the the coos deer i don't know about scott um coos was coos was pretty great you know maybe because it's so fresh too because it was this year i mean that sick to blacktail hunt was pretty tough to beat though. I mean, like Scott said, we're 
you're flying up into, you know, the great unknown up in Alaska. We're taking a bush flight 80 miles from Kodiak city into the middle of nowhere and dropped off in the middle of bear country. I mean, that's, it doesn't get much better than that. Plus, you know, we all came out with, you know, monster bucks. And so it was, it was just like you'd write that trip up. Yeah. 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 Scott. I I think the only way that we're going to top that Alaska trip is with another Alaska trip. And instead of flying into a lake in a beaver, I think we're going to have to fly into the tundra on a super cub. Yeah. <laughs> Without hesitation, Travis agreed. No problem. So that's, I guess we'll be only because that trip is scheduled, Chad. So, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Again, last year, I think it was you two and Adam. And I told you guys, well, th- thanks for the invite. So, again, I'll say, hey, thanks. Thanks for the invite, guys. Appreciate that one. Um, all right. So, Arizona coos deer, one of my favorite things to hunt. Um, I always hunted over the counter archery up to this point, my last four years, you guys had a totally different experience. And I, I really want to hear about your experience because this, the hunt that you guys did is a hunt that I'm looking at for 2022. So I, I would like to know a little bit more about it. And that, that's what we're, that's where, <laughs> I don't know, man, I like that. I like that archery hunt. We'll, we'll see But you know, the cool, real quick, the cool thing about the archery hunt is if you buy that tag and you don't kill a deer you can still put in for the rifle. So it's, it's kind of like, you might as well go give it a try. You already got the license. Anyway, whatever, here we go. Rifle hunting coos deer. So in typical stories from the season fashion, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you guys. Walk us through the first, the, the idea of where coos deer came from. Obviously I think it's part of your deer slam, but, and then kind of choosing where you wanted to go and, and, you know, working through that process of, of getting down there. And then we'll talk through the, the hunt itself. So um, I'll let you guys work, work through it, however you want. Well, well, maybe I'll start with kind of how we came about this hunt. And then since I was three days delayed, Scott can kind of jump in on the, on the front half of this hunt. Um, about two years ago. So I had a, a collision of, of hobbies. So Another, something else I'm pretty passionate about is I work with the federal government and, and I'm pretty passionate about uh, retirement 401ks. And so I'm, I'm in, uh, I admin a pretty large group uh, dealing with the TSP plan. And I crossed paths there with a gentleman by the name of uh, Brian Bitter. And uh, he clocked me in that group and he was like, hey, are you this guy who wrote this book? You know, and I'm like, yeah, man. So we ended up talking and and turns out this guy is a uh, coos white tail stud i mean this guy is it's it i don't think that i've met somebody who is more passionate and knowledgeable about a, about a certain species of animal than than brian was and so we ended up talking about coos i'm like hey man it's it's on my deer slam and and he said hey why don't you and scott come on down you can stay at our house um my wife will cook you guys meals and and we'll go kill a couple of coos bucks for you and so that was i don't know was it 18 about 18 months scott an evolution of that whole process before we got everything i think you're i i think i figured 15 or 16 months till there was blood on the ground yeah and so because when we when we first started talking we were in the middle of we'd already planned that year's hunts and so we ended up chatting and then as we got into the next year and and we kept you know we kept touch with brian and and um slowly developed you know this plan and uh um you know we we had never met brian in person he had never met us in person it was just it was just a you know as all good relationships start nowadays, it started online, right? And so, you know, we, we ended up booking this hunt and you got catfished. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, we were we got captain. We are the captain. We are the captain. Scott was just along for the ride. <laughs> so, <laughs> let, let me let me let me tell you how Brian first encountered me. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he was a little delayed getting to the airport. Travis wasn't there, so I'm here with my Pelican case. Just don't say it was couple. from behind. That's all that matters. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm racked out on the sidewalk in front of the airport, just <laughs> dead in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and he pulls up in his truck and he's like, this has got to be my guy. <laughs> I had never heard that part of the stories. That's funny. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know me. I like to sleep on the ground, but there's nowhere better. You don't yeah. have any problem getting a nap in. So, <laughs> so go on, go back to the, the planning. So, you know, so Brian kind of walked us. Through. So Brian uh, on the side, so we developed a friendship. Um, I'll, I will say that Brian on the side does guide Coos Whitetail down in Arizona. Um, Full disclosure, we did not pay any guide fees. This was friends helping friends. And um, so we went down there and and uh, so we, we kind of got the all the benefits of that kind of, I mean, we, we don't know the area. We don't know anything like that. And so Brian set us up, told us, you know, this is where we want to fly, this is where we're going to hunt. This is what you want to do for your flights. Come on in. And so we set everything up. We showed up and um, I get to the airport on Thursday, right? We we're flying out on Thursday, Scott. Yeah. And I get to the airport. I get through security, uh, Pasco airport in Washington state's pretty small. I was in security pretty quick, plenty of time to start drinking. And I sit down, I have two beers and I get a notice that my flight's been delayed. And then I get another notice an hour later that my flight has been delayed past my, uh, my connection flight in, uh, Salt Lake city. Well, the, there was, I don't think 755 flights or something like that canceled with Southwest airlines that day. And it, they said it was because of a computer glitch. My guess was that during that whole like all yes. the pilots were. Yes. Kind so of they said it was a computer glitch, but I'm pretty sure yeah. the pilots were under protest um, for the COVID vaccine mandate, and yeah. so my flight actually got delayed to the next day. Well, then once they got all the pilots back in, they were on mandatory rest. My my flight actually got delayed two additional days, and I don't think I got in until Sunday. Right? I got it on uh, Sunday. Yeah. Saturday. Sunday. Saturday, because I was supposed to fly out Thursday, didn't fly out Friday. I got in on Saturday, at like two no. o'clock on Saturday afternoon. No, because we killed we killed buck number three on Saturday. I got in after that. Are you sure? Yep, hundred percent. Okay, I finally got delayed two days. Okay, remember they, you guys were watching that buck that morning, and I said kill it. I was at the airport, and then yeah. I flew later that afternoon. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I remember seeing all of that on social media and Facebook and stuff. And I felt so bad for you, man. I think at one point I even commented like rent a car, bro. And I was dying. You'll be there in like a day and a half. You could get down there. So, but that's rough, man. I was dying inside. So, and, and, I, and I'll tell you, and Scott will tell you why I was dying inside when he tells you about his first two and a half days on the mountain. So, <laughs> so we'll pick up where Travis's flight got delayed. And, uh, I flew direct out of seat tack. Um, I didn't, I didn't play the budget game. I, I, I chose direct flights on Alaska from SeaTac. Uh, I didn't want to mess around. Um, I got to the airport, got through security nicely. Um, bags hit their weights just perfect. Had a couple beers, got on my flight, told Brian, Hey, like, don't forget about me. I know Travis isn't going to make it, but I will be there tonight. So he was a little late. Um, he came and swooped me up. We got to his house pretty late that night, like 10 30, um, got kind of settled in and we were up again at like four, um, headed out, 
met up with another buddy of his um, that was going to come out and help glass for us. Um, Corey, shout out, solid. Um, just yeah, Corey's so, a stud. So helpful. Um, great glasser. Uh, fun guy to be around. So um, we uh, we got on some deer that morning, but it was just tons of pressure. Um, we, we probably, you know, there was one side-by-side that rode by like five times. There was a truck at every little every little draw on this side of the mountain glassing. Um, so we, we, we backed out, we took a different route and went to go hunt a different spot. And, uh, in the meantime, one of the, one, another friend of Brian, um, his son shot a really nice buck and probably in like a 90 inch buck about, uh, eight o'clock opening morning. Um, so we went and we hunted a different spot and that's when we spotted the buck guy ended up shooting. We spotted him about nine 30, um, watched him through the, the one fifteen BTX at like 1800 yards, decided we wanted to go after him, planned a stock, uh, went up the mountain, figured we'd probably have to sit on him until dark. Cause he went embedded. So we, we got up there and we sat and we sat and we sat and we were only at about five, 550 from where he was where he was bedded so we couldn't really have a good time or chit chat or move around much so we were just kind of hunkered down um and about noon he got up and he came out of the timber patch and i got on him on the gun and uh, i sat on him for what feels like a half hour but it was probably 10 minutes or something waiting for some good body position he uh you know he was covered up by a doe or he had brush in front of his vitals or he you know, just this or that. And so finally he cleared and, um, Brian had him on the phone scope and, and hammered him. Um, so what rifles, was, what, what'd you take with you? What rifle? My 300. Okay. The bullets weigh more than the coos deer on that thing. That's, that's a fact, but man, I'll tell you what, I watched, uh, three deer get shot on this trip and they are tough. They are I, tough. They're I, very tough. I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. Um, yeah. So, you know, five hours into opening day, I had a coos deer down. Yeah. A good uh, coos deer too. A very nice buck. Yeah. Thank you. He was a three by three with eye guards. Um, so you know, that's like the ideal coos, man. That nice three by three, good basket. Just a nice buck, man. You know, we, and I saw him and Brian goes, you know, we can, we could probably find a better buck than that. And I just, I just couldn't see passing on him. I knew we had more deer tags to fill. I didn't know how long Travis is going to be gone. And I know that getting one deer on the board is, you know, just so beneficial. So we went up there and I was able to get it done and it was awesome. Um, so we, we packed him out, um, got back to Brian's house, quartered him up, ordered some takeout Mexican. I had a good old time. It was like, we're all standing around in the garage, you know, all these, me and all these guys I've never met before. And it was, we're cutting meat and skinning skulls and talking recipes. And, and, you know, then a big old impromptu meal showed up and we're all standing around the kitchen telling hunting stories and it was great. So um, nice. Very nice. So really quick, you guys mentioned earlier buck three before Travis showed up. So that's two, right? You got one from your buddy's kid. Yep. Um, they shot one and then you shot one and there was another one in that group too. So the next morning, um, we decided we were going to get up and go, go glass, try and find a buck for Travis. He was supposed to be in that afternoon mm-hmm. and, uh, we glassed one up. Um, and one of the guys that was helping us out, it's, it was a convoluted, like his 
daughter's boyfriend had only ever shot one deer and it was like a little spike. Um, so that, you know, if we found a deer that, um, that was in a location where they could get him, we were going to give him a call. So we did that. Um, and he came over and this was, this was really cool for me. Cause it was like, this was like my first time, like feeling like a coos hunter now, because I glassed this buck up with the 15s and I, I stayed on him for like three hours. Um, as he went through his morning feeding routine, he bedded up a couple times, had to stay on him, re-require him, you know, and just, and just stick with him. Um, and then I got to watch the stock come together. Um, Brian took the kid up there and, uh, they put him on this deer and, and it, it ended up being a stud. It had like, it had way more character than we thought it did. It had a, a big split eye guard, um, like some little, some little trash, like, uh, like little devil points at the bases. And it was a nice big, heavy three by three with eye guards. And, um, this was the, you know, only the second buck this kid's ever killed in like 10 years of hunting. Nice. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool and getting to watch all that go down. So we got that buck out and why well, didn't, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Was there, some, was there some climbing involved to get there to get uh, it out? And... It was only like 800 yards from the truck. We'll say that. Oh, okay. Um, but there was, I think seven, seven men involved in packing out that coos buck. Oh my God. It only takes one for a coos. And they gave me a hard time about staying at the truck to watch, you know, I don't know, $25,000 worth of optics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was two yeah, right, right. X's on the ground. I'm well, not, you know, that, that's probably a good time to, to, uh, to talk about, your your statement right it's the only time you ever felt underglassed right i have never felt so underglassed and and that's that's the major difference we saw with coos deer right versus anything else we've hunted is the necessity of quality glass you got to have guys what 15s right you got to have 15s at least i mean i didn't i didn't use my 10s or my tw- I have 12s no 10 i have 10s i didn't use them one time i was glassing out of my spotter the entire time uh it's just they're so small. They slip in and out of that, out of that scrub Oak. Um, they're hard to pick up with the naked eye. Well, Corey and Brian don't seem to have any problem picking up with the naked eye, but I was. Yeah, but, so you bring up a very valid point too, with the optics and those guys, my, my good friend that I hunt with all the time, Jeremy native and to Arizona coos deer country. And that is his game, right? That's all he cares about is coos deer. And that dude would never even touch a pair of 10 by 42s. Yeah. Don't even think about it, right? No, no way. He's all about 12s all the time. He'll carry 15s if he wants to. Um, he put his hands on a BTX for the first time, and I, I didn't think he was going to be able to control himself. It was like the greatest thing he ever looked through in his life, right? And, and, and totally, yeah. totally changed his game, and that dude is all about it now. So it, it really does matter, man. I know a lot of times people say, you know, when you elk hunt, ah, 10 by 42s, you don't need the best optics. You don't need whatever. You can get by with whatever. When you hit that desert country, it is truly a best optics that you can get your hands on game. It was, well, it, it made us better deer spotters. I mean, when we went to Montana after that, I mean, those mule deer looked like dinosaurs on the horizon and we didn't have, I mean, we had, I mean, what was your best spot? Scott was like, Scott had the best spot of that trip. It was like 2,400 yards, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and all day long over 2000. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, and that's, I mean, it's been a long time coming on that, but that was, you know it was a, it was definitely like a, a, a leveling up of the game um, as far as the glassing goes after having done this coos hunt and, and really, you know, learning to work those 15s. Yeah. 
Awesome. Very cool. Okay. That's the third buck. Okay. So yeah. third buck's down. Travis shows up finally, right? Finally makes it to Arizona. So, so we head off for Travis's evening hunt. What's that? They said we head off for Travis's evening hunt and we only see two leggers. That's right. Uh, Yeah. That's another thing. Right. I didn't, everyone said, once you're tagged out, everyone that's from up North only wants to see people sneaking in across the border. And I was like, man, whatever. Like that's no, that's not me. Dude, when we spotted a group, it was like reality TV. I couldn't take my eyes off as those agents closed on them. Oh, yeah. I was it's watching something to watch, man. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah, seen that many, many times. I kind of I kind of forgot about that, even though I don't know why I did. That was such a, a pivotal moment of the first day I got there, right? But um, you know, and it was like a world where like I said I was I was mad at everybody, not not anybody down there, but like the world, because I've been, you know, this hunt I've been looking forward to for all year has been delayed and uh uh finally get down there these guys are all relaxed because they're all tagged out they're drinking beer they got antlers sitting in the cooler meat's done and so we end up going out for my evening hunt and uh uh you know we didn't see a ton of deer that night but it was kind of we kind of got oriented and, and uh like i said i was still kind of in a whirlwind just from the stress of trying to get on this on this hunt and so you know, we don't see any, uh, I don't think we saw any bucks that first night. Um, and we ended up going back. We went to a, uh, we stayed the night. Uh, Brian's wife, Tiffany, uh, is a phenomenal cook. And we, I, it's not often we gain weight on trips. We definitely gained weight on this trip, but so, so we bust out the next morning. We go to one of Brian's, uh, favorite spots. And, uh, this is one, this is another kind of thing we learned over there. Uh, and we try to take little, nuggets of information from every hunt we do and we try to apply them i mean that's experience right I mean, that's the definition of what that means and uh so we weren't finding deer time to relocate and so we relocated to a different area and boom we start seeing deer and i think we ended up seeing um we see 50 50 does something like that i mean everywhere and um they just started about you know 3 4 p.m they just started cropping up and it was just group 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 and so like my my job because i had the the big spotter is my job was to verify buck or doe and this is how good brian and Corey are at glassing is they were literally finding deer before i could verify buck or doe on on those i mean it was like boom okay walk me into the next group boom walk me into the next group and so in about uh so Corey showed up later that night and about two o'clock Brian looks down the hill and, and he says, man, that, that stick sure looks like, looks like an antler down there. looks like a main beam. looks like a main beam on a, on a good buck. And I pull it up in the spotter and I'm like, I don't know. Am I, I think it's a shed. And he's like, man, that's crazy. You know, that it, so we're sitting there, we're watching it. He's like, it kind of looks like a nose. And I'm like, well, I don't see that on the spotter. So three hours later, Corey shows up. And Brian is, has gone back to this stick nose, what, 30 times, right? He keeps going, he keeps going back to it. And Corey shows up and him and Corey start talking about it. And Corey's like, I think I see a face. And they're like, oh, that's crazy the way the bushes do that. And about, so we find some more deer and we're spotting and, and we find some little bucks, right? Found those, found those three bucks down in that lower basin and none of them were shooters. And, um, uh, so we, we Corey comes back and he goes, Brian, your stick's gone. 
Brian, your stick's gone. <laughs> yeah, Corey's got a very deep voice. So, Brian, your stick's gone. And uh, so, <laughs> so we all swing over there. We we can't find the stick. So clearly, it was a, it it would have been a better buck, and it was a good buck. And so we were all kicking ourselves, and because it was only at like four fifty right below us, and and we're kicking ourselves on this deer, and and um, so we don't find any more good bucks that that night. So we come back. We're talking about it all night and we get back up the next morning and uh uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna say corey had had called sheep or called wolf too many times right scott is out <laughs> he had played the <laughs> he had played the called wolf game so corey thinks thought it was pretty fun we were we were messing around with each other and and corey would call buck on occasion and uh and i'm just kidding around so that next morning we get up and we're sitting up there and corey goes buck big buck right below us. And we're like, yeah, okay, Corey, sounds good. And then he doesn't say he's just kidding. And so he's like, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And I think there was uh, five bucks in that group. And there was two shooters, including the stick buck. And um, so I, I was really struggling to get on these deer. They're only like two, two, two fifty below us. Yeah. And they were close. And I was struggling. To, I, I, I couldn't see him. Corey's like, they're right here. Everybody found him except for me, the shooter. Right. And, um, Everybody stayed pretty cool, pretty collected. Busting with your phone, trying to get a, a dial. Yep. I, to be to be perfectly honest, I was not I was not prepared to to actuate into a shot opportunity like that because so far my my idea of coos hunting was locate a buck, watch it bed, sneak in on. It. I mean that's how the other three bucks have been killed, right? I mean that's how that's how it normally is, according to Corey Bryan too. And so I, I just was unprepared. Um, and so by the time I got on the buck, uh, he was at 7:30, and uh, I made a shot on him, and it was a lethal shot. And um, but I will tell you, those deer are small, uh, and so he ended up bleeding out, and uh, took what was like 15 minutes. We watched him; he expired, and uh, Scott stayed on. We walked over there, and and I I couldn't have been happier. I mean, that was that was the buck I was expecting, um, and. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. So, so we walk over there and, and so they've been, like Scott had said, they've been giving him a bad time about not coming up and helping pack up that other buck. And so I told Corey or I told Brian, if you wanted, I would put the whole deer in my back. So, you know, just to show him that those coos deer weren't, uh, weren't all that tough to pack out, but <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. So you're, they are not really, I mean, one dude could totally pack. Oh, I, out, I had a half, a half in my backpack and I, I was walking out uh, not breathing. I mean, having a regular conversation, it wasn't, it was not strenuous in, in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. We did uh, the first year I was out there. One of my buddies shot one and he was like maybe five or 600 yards off the road and he just grabbed it up and drug it down the mountain and we put it in the back of a Polaris and then drove it out. But it, it was like nothing just to drag it down. You know, it was no big deal. So my favorite part about my hunt is not even really related to my hunt. So I get a text message from my friend, Adam Moldovan. And uh, he's in Idaho at that time. And so when I, I took my grip and grin picture, I'm in a t-shirt. It was like 74 degrees. And he goes, I was shivering in a blizzard on top of a mountain in Idaho, not seeing any deer because he had 50 yard visibility or whatever. And he goes, my phone pops up a notification. You're in a t-shirt with a big buck in front of you. And I was like, hey man, we all have choices to make. You know, you chose yeah. Idaho. So yeah, you chose Idaho. I chose Arizona. I think yeah. you made the right choice. I think so. <laughs> yeah. We, so we did, we did get to shiver before the hunt was over. We did. Yep. What'd you get down to? What was the lowest temps? 
Ah, uh, I didn't get a reading, but so uh, once we were all tagged out, we actually went and we hunted uh, for Brian. Uh, he had a, a draw tag in a neighboring unit. Uh, so we went up real high and got to shiver and freeze. And Travis, Travis got to become a coos hunter on that one. I'll let him tell it. Well, I mean, it was just, it was cool because I mean, we, we hiked up into this area and, and um, so we, we get up in this basin and, and Brian, Brian had, had known there was a big buck living up on this space and, and, um, and I spotted it for Brian. And so I picked this buck out and I got to stay on it for two hours. We went down with Brian and, and we ended up getting into some wind trouble. We had 20, I think we had a high of like recorded winds of like 27 miles an hour, uh, on my Kestrel. And it was, I mean, it was rough. I mean, it, not only was it cold, but it was windy. The wind chill brought it down pretty significantly and, and we couldn't, couldn't make it happen on that buck. I mean, it was probably, I think they estimated it was like 110 inch is what, what Brian and Corey were thinking. It was a great buck. That's a big and, coos deer. And so it was really cool to get to see a big, a big buck, a, thir- a buck that was 30 inches bigger than the buck we killed. And, um, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it was a great time, man. I mean, it, you know, getting to, getting to, to have all those guys help and then be able to repay the favor a little bit and going helping all those guys out. And, and, you know, of course at the end of the day, I mean, we made lifelong friends down there. I mean, between, you know, everybody that helped out down in Arizona was fantastic. I mean, everybody we met down there. So it was cool. It was, it was, it was really cool for me. Cause I got to do it again. Like, uh, not, not quite, but I got to sit there and watch and glass that buck and stay on him. You know, it was kind of one of those, um, you know, if I had to get up and have a snack or, uh, you know, take a leak or whatever, like I, I would hand him off, but otherwise like I just locked on and it was, man, it was so cool watching that buck for like three hours. And, uh, you know, even after that missed shot, like I was the one to, to relocate him and watch him, you know, keep going across the, the side hill and into the slope and into the timber. And then when he fed out the bottom of it again, like same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. cool, man. So cool. That's a good story, guys. I like it. So would you go back to Arizona and hunt coos deer again? 10 out of 10. 100%. Yeah. Well, all right. I, I, so I think it was before the show. I said, when are we going to do the archery over the counter? And you guys both said, no way. Nope. No, I think what we said, I, I mean, we're not talking about on the show, but I had a, I had a rough archery season this year. And so I'm letting some frustrations out with the, uh, the old 28 miles there for a little bit. So <laughs> let it eat. Is that what let you, so eat. did you take your rifle too, or did you guys both use Scott's 300? No, we, we both took our own rifles. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Travis's Travis's gun has got a leg up cause I've killed an animal with it. So at this point I can't, I can't lose any ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good. I can't give my gun any more notches. So so we won't really get into it just because of for time and whatever but after arizona shortly after you guys ended up in montana and you had a pretty successful hunt there too just to how about a brief little um choosing that hunt and getting over there and how'd it go thanks scott uh well you know um i've been doing i've been doing a november uh montana mule deer hunt for quite a few years now um and just kind of learning some areas every year I go, uh, I try and learn the areas I know better and then learn some new adjacent areas. Uh, and you know, this is, this is year number five and it's, it's, it's been, um, doable. You know, it's been, I, every year I have learned somewhere new and I have learned the areas I know better, all the little, the little folds and areas that hold deer and where they like to go to get out of the wind. And, uh, this year was different. Uh, the weather was mild hunting was a little slower. I guess there was a drought there. Um, 
we didn't ever really see any good bucks, but we both shot bucks and we both shot does, filled our B tags. Um, and, you know, just kind of a well done hunt. There was, it, you know, didn't get Western, um, just some well executed game plan. It was really outside the norm for us. <laughs> and nothing really went wrong, which is very strange. So. <laughs> yeah, that's strange for any hunt. Is that the hunt that was it last year where it was like negative? degrees the whole time you guys were out there and just a suck fest i mean that's usually the way it is yeah yeah uh, terrible terrible roads you know um real worries of getting stuck and i think um, the camry could have handled it this time though well, well those camp neighbors of ours weren't they talking about seeing a camry out there got a camry in camp yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Good deal, man. All right, guys. Well, I think we'll wrap it up right there. Congratulations to both of you and then your buddies that were along too. So, and, and Brian Bitter and, and, you know, the, the crew that you had in Arizona, super cool that you guys got to go down there. Congratulations. Yeah. Big shout out to, uh, you know, Dale and Sydney were there for my hunt. And I think you had some extras on your hunt too, Scott. What was it? Mike, right? Yeah. Mike, he, he came and he glassed and his boy, um, they helped out and yeah, Dale and Sydney and Brian and Corey and Tiff, like solid, solid crew down there. They're all, I mean, you know, we, I would hang out with those guys any day of the week outside of hunting. They're all really good people. So yeah, good. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up right there. Go back and listen to those other episodes I talked about, especially number 30, where these guys come on and they talk about the book that, that Travis wrote and, and um, with Scott's, Scott Linda the hand on that too, an evolution, evolutionary tale in backcountry hunting. Um, that's it, man. That's all I got. I'm going to wrap it up right there. Thanks, guys. No, thanks for having us on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Backcountry Rookies podcast. Don't forget to look us up on social media. We are Backcountry Rookies on all the spots, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And we also have the Backcountry Rookies Nation, which is a private group on Facebook. So thanks to Go Hunt, Elk 101, Vortex Optics, and Canyon Coolers for sponsoring the show. Remember, when you use the code ROOKIES, get special deals at all of those companies you get fifty dollars in gear shop credit when you become a go hunt insider you save 20 bucks on the university of elk hunting from elk 101 20 percent off any vortex apparel and now you can save 10 percent off canyon coolers just use the code rookies at any of those places and get special deals thanks for listening come back next week out of here